We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with another installment of our tour around the league, helping you, our Rams fans, get to know the rest of the league better as we head into the 2023 season. On tonight's show, we got two guests, and they couldn't be further apart in terms of how they think and how they speak. One is a stand-up comedian who hosts the Perfectville podcast, and that is Sam Marco. And then one of my favorites as well, from Cincinnati at ESPN 1530, is Mo Egger, a guy who I've listened to for years when I lived in Cincinnati. So two great guests covering, one covering the Miami Dolphins and one covering the Cincinnati Bengals, two playoff contenders who should make a lot of noise this season. First things first, here's a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. So first things up, we have with us Sam Marco from the Perfect Field Podcast covering the Miami Dolphins. He's got a lot to say. Check it out. All right, folks, here's Sam Marco from the Perfectville Podcast. One of my favorite guys, freaking hilarious. So hilarious that he has his own stand-up 
routine guy is on tour does all kinds of stuff professional podcaster if you go check him out on twitter at tiger clametti man sam how you doing it's been a while it has been a while um i think the last time we spoke you guys were the defending world champions of the football yeah so and now los angeles rams and now we're not And now you're not, but that's okay. (laughs) The last time my team had that status was 1973, and I wasn't even born yet. So I'm, uh, as Ferris Bueller would say uh, of of Cameron, I'm envious of your POS. So I'm envious of your championship a couple of years ago. So uh, congratulations to the Rams and all of Rams Nation. I'm I'm from, I live in California, so I, I live in the bad part called California, but up in Niner country. So as a, as a non-Niner fan, as a Niner hater, I would say, Derek, um, it gave me great pleasure to see not only you guys win in the NFC Championship a couple of years ago, but go on and, and win the whole thing. It gave great pleasure to me to see great pain happen in Northern California. Aren't you a Dodgers fan? I am a Los Angeles Dodgers fan. I'm a Los Angeles Kings fan. I'm a Los Angeles Lakers fan. Um, and I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. So I'm not sure through. how on earth that happened. It's just because the I'm Rams were, were in St. Louis at the time or what? No, I um, I grew up in, in Northern California and uh, I, 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 I put everything back to 1988, Derek. So 1988, the Lakers win, the Dodgers win against the Oakland A's. Uh, Wayne Gretzky was traded to the Los Angeles Kings. And um, the only part of that puzzle that doesn't make any sense is that's the only year in Dan Marino's career that he had a losing record. So I don't know. I must have seen him on TV, you know, slinging it to the uh, Mark Duper and Mark Clayton and thought, that guy's good, and I like that team. That's the only thing I can think of. But uh, I think everything else is due to being a bandwagoner at, like, five years old. <laughs> well, that, the, un- the uniform, let's admit, the Dolphins uniform's always been unique. There's it's no out there. It's like definitely... It. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't see, especially now, I mean, throwbacks are all the rage. I mean, everything that's happening this year in the NFL, Derek, with the, the Houston Oilers throwbacks happening for the Tennessee Titans, as well as the Seattle Seahawks going back to uh, the, the, the Benny Blades, Brian Blades era. Um, the throwbacks are always awesome, and the Dolphins have, in my opinion, one of the best throwbacks in the leagues. So uh, the uniform stands out, to say the least. It does. And, but you know, I have to ask you, since you mentioned it, you brought it up. I mean, I think we can say cool the Seattle throwbacks. I mean, they never should have moved off those colors to begin with. I'm not no. sure. I mean, honestly, some, there's a reason why throwbacks work. Yep. But isn't it a bit weird for the Titans to go back to the Oilers throwbacks from Houston? Doesn't it's, it, isn't uh, it, it, weird? It, it, it? Yes. And I'll say and I'll and I'll give this parallel. If the Baltimore Ravens decided one day to just rock Cleveland Brown colors, nobody would accept it, in my opinion, right? Like, because it's just, it's, you're in a different state, you're a different team, it's a different franchise. Um, the only, I guess, uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone hanging on the edge of a cliff and cliffhanger that they have is that when they moved from Houston to Tennessee that first year, if I'm not mistaken, I think they played at Vanderbilt and they were still the Tennessee yeah. Oilers. Yeah. So I, they have a little bit of a, you know, we can still, you know, wink and a nod to uh, Warren Moon and, and Bud Adams and everybody. But uh, no, it's 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 a little strange. I agree. I think they they listen, it's the almighty dollar. They're going to sell a, a crap ton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, it, just, it just seems to me. I mean, yeah, I know that I, I get the whole economic aspect of it, but it seems to me that the, the neat thing to do 
would have been to leave the colors for the Texans to use the throwbacks and let, you Understood. know. Yeah. But, you know. I think the Houston Texans messed up because they should have been the Houston Oilers. They should have continued with that franchise. And think about, I mean, the, the Texans as a franchise haven't been, I guess, great or prolific. But if they had the Houston Oilers throwbacks, to your point and where you were going, that would have been, I think, a much better fit for uh, the people of Houston, of course. Sure. Well, I mean, that, that I, to this day, I wonder, I don't understand why. I read a good book on the Oilers move and how it all went down, but I've never understood why they didn't do, the city of Houston did not do what Cleveland did in forcing the ownership to leave the history and the colors behind for a new franchise to come get it. Never understood, but no, I digress. I, I digress too. Yeah, I digress. Let's go to the Dolphins. The Dolphins, one of the more interesting divisions in football. Now, the AFC East two years ago was a hot mess, it was trash, mm-hmm. garbage. And now you have three teams, and depending on who you talk to, and Bill Belichick's involved, a four team that are, are playoff contenders, potentially even something deeper contenders. Your Dolphins. One of the fastest teams in the NFL. You know, when you're looking at this offseason, what do they do right? What do they do wrong? Yeah, I, I would say probably the fastest on offense. Um, they got Tyree Kill. He's here in year two. Jalen Waddle's going to be here long term. Um, I think what they did right is go get Vic Fangio, who is going to basically run the defense. So um, it's no stranger or, or it's it's no... I guess, mystery that the issues that they had last year were primarily on defense. They they ran the zero blitz all the time. They didn't have the personnel. I mean, they had injuries with Byron Jones. Um, they have injuries now when it, when it comes to Jalen Ramsey. But Vic Fangio being who he is with the defense that he runs, which is really the blueprint for most successful defenses that you see in the NFL right now, that's probably the biggest upgrade that I see for the Miami Dolphins this offseason. The offense last year did fantastic. Uh, people being healthy, meaning Tua, Tyreek, Jalen, they did great. It, it was really hard to defend that team uh, if you're on defense or you're a defensive coordinator. Josh Boyer, uh, the defensive coordinator, was let go by the Miami Dolphins to go get Vic Fangio. They win that sweep sweepstakes. That's probably the biggest thing they did right. If I had to uh, poke holes in what they did wrong, it would be maybe, maybe being stagnant on offense. And and what I mean by that is Mike Kosicki goes to the you know, the Patriots. They don't really replace him, Derek, with anybody at the tight end mm-hmm. position. And if you look at the first two weeks of training camp, you don't see anybody at the tight end position really stepping up and being a pass-catching threat at this point. Uh, the running backs, you know, there's I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit with Dalvin Cook, but the running backs, I think they're going to be okay. The wide receivers, obviously, more than okay. Uh, but if they did something wrong, I think it was a they didn't really upgrade the offensive line. They did last year. They didn't this year. And they didn't upgrade the tight end position. In fact, I would think I, I would say venture to say that they've gotten a little bit, you know, less than they've regressed a little bit when it comes to the tight end. So what they've gotten right, Vic Fangio, defensive coordinator and the scheme that he's going to run what they've gotten wrong, tight end and offensive line. Now, now those concerns that you have, are they enough? that would concern you for this year with a Jets team that got better, with a Bills team that's good. I mean, does that where does that put you in terms of your mindset with the Dolphins? 
Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, I would say the bills don't concern me as much as they used to in the past. And it's not that their window was closed. Uh, they're a very talented team. Um, I really hope that Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs go through couples therapy because they clearly need it. Um, but I think there's some chinks in the armor, armor when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. It's not the New England Patriots dynasty of 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a two-year, and they kind of screwed up. I mean, look, Buffalo Bills it will openly admit that they cannot play in Miami in September and October. They admitted that. You saw that last year. They completely melted down. When it comes to the New York Jets, they're going to be better with Aaron Rodgers. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You put a Hall of Fame quarterback on that team, and they're going to be better. But Aaron Rodgers is 40 years old. I mean, he's not going to be what he was 10 years ago or even five years ago. He's going to be a little bit less than. That's not to say the Jets are bad. They're they're much better, especially that defense, uh, than I think a lot of people, at least Miami Dolphins fans, give them credit for. I mean, they beat us last year, quite frankly. Um, but I'm not worried about the AFC East. The Patriots, it's funny enough, because you mentioned the Patriots maybe being that fourth team that people are somewhat, I don't know, not really thinking about. I think they're going to be better than people think. And and that's the thing is people are sleeping on the Patriots and you should not sleep on that because Bill Belichick will find a way to cheat and win games <laughs> that he shouldn't other win, you know, otherwise win. Um, so it's going to be a bloodbath in this division. I think you're going to see a lot of teams that are uh, potential to win double digit games and some teams that'll be eight or nine wins, but they're all going to be right there. It's going to be, you know, a team. Uh, or at least a conference that beats up on each other. But the Bills have taken a step back. I think the, the the Jets have taken a step up. You can debate whether the Dolphins have taken a half a step up or half a step back. And I think the Patriots are are, are right there. I mean, it's going to be um, it's going to be a very interesting and fun division this year. Where does the schedule actually work to an advantage for this team, and where is it really an area of concern? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So we start the season. It's very tough for the Miami Dolphins. They're going to start on the road against the Chargers, and then they have some AFC East opponents. They have the Bills. They have the Patriots. They don't have, and those are on the road, by the way, so they're not going to get that September home field advantage that they had last when they played the Bills week three, and there was like a 40-degree difference between both sidelines. That's not going to happen. Um, The middle of the season gets a little soft with the exception of the Kansas City Chiefs in Germany, but if you look at the Miami Dolphins season and you look at you know, the teams and how they, you know, I guess most of us are, or the prevailing wisdom is they'll stack up wins in the middle of the season. If they can endure the first part of the season and maybe the very, very last part of the season, this Miami Dolphins team has a chance to do very, very uh, good things when it comes to the playoffs. If they can endure the first part and the very, very last part, the middle part is very soft with the exception of the chiefs in Germany, like I said. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Possibly mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook, Tua Tungavailoa, Mike McDaniel, year two. People forget this is the second year that the same offensive coordinator and the same offensive scheme is in place for Tua Tungavailoa. And I'm sure we'll talk about it, but he hasn't had that since high school. That's a big advantage for the Miami Dolphins, in my opinion. And what did they do in the draft to be better this team? Not a whole lot. I mean, they were. <laughs> I mean, uh, here's the thing. In in some, um, it depends on who you talk to, Derek, but. They pick up Cam Smith out of South Carolina, and it seems like a luxury pick when you have the tight end position that they really didn't address in the offensive line mm-hmm. position, which you can never have too many. It's like relief pitching in baseball. Um, but Cam Smith was a great, talented cornerback out of South Carolina who uh, didn't seem like the right call for the Miami Dolphins in the second round. But then you think of the fact that you know now Jalen Ramsey is hurt, and he's going to be out probably till November. 
And all of a sudden, it looks like a genius play by Vic Fangio, Mike McDaniel, and Chris yeah. Greer to have that depth there, right? So um, between that and uh, Devin Achain, who is another running back for the Miami Dolphins, who is kind of a gadget player, very fast. In fact, uh, famously, when he was drafted, Mike McDaniel called him, and the first thing he asked him was, hey, Devon, are you f- still fast? Like, that was the first question he asked him, which I think is hilarious. Um, they're going to try to beat people on speed, and they're going to try to beat people with uh, – Mismatches when it comes to the offense and a chain, I think, sit, fits right in with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson at the, as regards to like a very fast running back who can catch balls out of the out of the backfield, block a little bit, of course, run real fast. So those are the two draft picks that I would keep an eye on would be um, on the defensive side of the ball. Cam Smith, who's going to play on the boundary, he's going to play opposite of Xavier Howard. He's going to be forced into being a starter. So we'll see how that happens, especially week one against Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. And of course, Devonta Chain, who um, is going to be part of, if you want to call it a three-headed monster at the running back position, that's who he'll be. So put it all together, you have a team that is still growing. They're one of the fastest. They're probably the fastest offensively in the NFL. They've got a lot of good things on defense. They have a lot of advantages. Uh, and, and and by the way, they, you know, they're not in the same division as that horribly physical and AFC North yeah. beat up on those, on those fast guys. So you're in an advantageous division. Uh, where do you think they rank in the AFC? How far could they go this year? I'll answer that question with the statement that is, if they make the playoffs and don't win at least one playoff game, I think most Miami Dolphins fans will consider it a disappointment. Uh, they made the playoffs last year under Mike McDaniel. The expectations are very high for uh, everybody in South Florida, South Beach, Miami. Um, I think they can win the division. Um, I think they're very much a contender for a wild card spot. And I think, depending on Joe Burrow's injury with the Cincinnati Bengals, you have to at least consider them in the conversation behind the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs are up here and everybody else is you know, kind of dog crap behind them, but um, they're right there with the Buffalo Bills. People forget, everyone wants to crown the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills have never won anything. Let, let me just repeat that. The Buffalo Bills have never won anything. The only thing the Buffalo Bills are known for is embarrassing themselves, pooping and peeing themselves four years in a row in the Super Bowl. That's the only thing the Buffalo Bills are known for. They don't know how to win when it comes to the actual big game. Um, So who else do you have? Cincinnati with Joe Burrow? Yes, absolutely. I think they're right up there, Derek. I really do. Like, you can call me a homer, but they're in that top five when it comes to the AFC. I would venture the top three, top four. Not to be an antagonist, though. I I would bounce this back and say, well, wait a minute. Hold on a minute. When was the last time Miami won anything? When was the last time they showed they could win the big game? Just to play devil's advocate here. Yeah. January of 1974 would be the answer to that question. But (laughs) it's been a while. Yeah. At least they've won it. You know what I mean? Like, I I just I think there's a pedigree there. And I also think the expectations for the Miami Dolphins on a national level are maybe a little bit less than what Miami fans are thinking. I just I don't believe in the Buffalo Bills. I just don't. I think there's more strife there than people uh, give it credit for. I think Stephon Diggs does not like Josh Allen and vice versa. And I think that's going to play itself out this season. And I think the Buffalo Bills are going to take a step back, like I talked about earlier. Um, the Bengals are a wild card to me, uh, not literally, but I, I think Joe Burrow being injured is going to be an interesting 
uh, storyline, let's just say, to follow. I think the Steelers are better than anybody's giving them credit for. So the Bengals are going to be in a battle with the Ravens, the Steelers, and to a lesser extent, the Browns. And weirdly, you know, when you look at the season, other than the Chiefs and maybe the Chargers, I'll give the Chargers a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. I think the Miami Dolphins have a, a, an avenue here to get, you know, deep into the playoffs this year. And people are going to call me Homer, and they should. But uh, I just see the AFC with an opening for the Miami Dolphins to run right through. All right. So, Sam, can people know where they can you even know where you can oh, say it today, man? Oh, hot mess. <laughs> it's getting late. It's that Ohio weather, man. I got to tell it's, you, I'm in Ohio. You're in Ohio. Um, we're, we're as close as we're ever going to be, Derek, and we're doing this over the Internet. Um, it was 100 degrees when I left California yesterday. It was 110 when I landed in Arizona. Yeah. And then I got to uh, Columbus, Ohio late last night, and it's freaking raining. I don't understand the weather. I don't know what's going on, but it discombobulates me. So uh, I don't blame you if the, if the words are stumbling out. Oh, it's just been a long day. It's been a long day. <laughs> but I will also tell you this. Ohio is the weirdest place in this country for weather. It really is. It's it been raining been, off and on all day. Like, I don't understand what's going on here. I mean, you could one summer, it'll be 110 degrees out there, dry drought. Next summer, 75 degrees in August. No, no, nothing going on but rain. It's just a weird place for weather. You can never expect anything. There's, there's memes online about showing a guy mowing the lawn in the snow because you just never know what's going on. <laughs> That's how Ohio weather is weird. Like you know how things are gonna be in Florida, you know how things are gonna be in California. Here, it just is what it is. Can I All ask right. you a question? Because sure. you, you know Ohio, real quick. I know, I know we're uh, we're up against it here. Most places I go to, New York, Florida, California, Washington, all these different places, people talk about the local traffic and how people are, and they're not good drivers. I can't understand why people here are such good drivers. But they actually drive the speed limit, as far as I can tell. And it's driving me nuts, Derek, because I was on the freeway earlier today. I was on like 670 or whatever the freeway was here. Okay. And, uh, or 760, maybe. That's what it was. 670. But 670, there it was. It, and, and they're driving the speed limit, and I'm losing my mind. I'm blowing my stack because I'm not used to that. I'm used to 10, 15, 20 miles over the fact. And I can't get mad at them because they're, they're law-abiding citizens here. But uh, what is up with that? Why don't you guys drive a Cop little traps. faster? That's what it is. Top traps. <laughs> 670 by the airport. Yep. I'll go on through 71, coming down south. I'll find you usually find a cop trap, at least one. And so, you know, but you, you want to have a bad driver. Get down to Cincinnati. You'll find some bad drivers down there. Bad drivers and, you know, no offense to everybody from Ohio, but maybe some bad choices with the spaghetti and the, and the chili there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You're saying that, but you know what? It actually works. It's weird, but it works. I'm telling you. If you, you taste it once, you're like, eh, okay, you'll do it again. It, you'll, it, you'll come on board with it. It's just a weird tradition, but it actually works. They so, don't do it in Union, Kentucky. That's all I'm saying. Union, Kentucky, they don't do the chili. Ohio is a weird place for food, man. There's lots of different traditions. North and South, they'll find different things. Okay, so all that said, where can people find your work? Uh, you can find me. You can, if, if you want to watch the podcast or listen to the podcast, you can find us. Uh, and just type in Perfect Bill. Um, I was lucky enough to get that name years and years and years ago after Mercury Morris spouted it out on ESPN. Um, uh, just type in Perfectville Podcast, or you can find us on Twitter at Perfectville Pod. Uh, we do a weekly show. You know, we just talk about the Miami Dolphins and everything that's going on in the AFC East. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, although I gotta say I'm not very active or on Threads for that matter, but at Tiger Clomedy. Um, and you can find me on here. Just re-listen to this podcast right now and enjoy 
the soothe, <laughs> sultry sounds of Sam Marku and Eric Chapala going on about a little bit. Let's talk about your Rams. Like I, this is a Rams podcast. Let's let's talk about Cooper Cup. What's going on with Cooper? Sir. <laughs> so can i ask He's you this I'm, I'm a podcast i'm a podcast host too so let me just you know because i'll just take this i'll just ask your permission i'll use this and i'll just put this out as my podcast this week um wh- where do the rams sit because i'm a niner hater i mean I, I look i i feel like your fan base and and me we can get along because i don't like the niners i don't like the cardinals and the seahawks are okay um what's the expectations for the rams this year Depends on who you talk to. Uh, and that, there's a split in the fan base. Or, you know, one section of the fan base believes they're going to be hot garbage. And another split the other side of the, of the uh, fan base is actually upset with that first section of the, of the fan base because they know they're going to win nine, ten games. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to be fine, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, but I, on my show, I've been saying that for years. Sooner or later, the Rams are going to have to take their medicine for the decisions they make. Sure. They got sure. a ring out of it. Yeah, so I don't. I'm good with it. I'm. I'm not mad. But when I look at the Rams' schedule and I see all the talent they let go, and who they brought to replace it with, all the injury questions coming back, I don't see more than three or four wins. But I'm the idiot or the moron or the bad guy who's saying that. Now I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong in a lot of ways. But you know, I I just look at this team and go. Sooner or later, they were going to have to start over and rebuild, and they're heading down that path. You have to take your medicine. Sooner or later, the Dolphins will once again take their medicine for the decision they make sure. now and try and win, and that's how it goes. But So there's a split there, and, and I don't think the Rams are going to be very good. I just don't – I see a lot of questions defensively in terms of who's going to step up with all that talent they let go. I see a lot of questions in, ter- in terms of, who are they going to throw the ball to outside of Cooper Cup? Who's going to step up and be the receivers there? Uh, and, and, and is there still a running back now? Are they finally okay there with Cam Makers hopefully coming, you know, having a, a, a moment with Sean McVay this last, this last year? So I don't know. I mean, I, I look at it, and again, if I pull up the Rams schedule right now, I see a lot of losses. And yeah. There are fans who will sit there and, and get upset with me for saying that because they see in their view a nine ten win team. I don't see it. Too many holes, too many questions, and in all honesty, outside of Cooper Cup, who do you trust that offense? No, I, I agree with you, and and I'm sure your your listenership and your fan base is not happy with me saying that. But I mean, you are in a division with the San Francisco 49ers as much as I hate them. And a Seahawks team, which is coached. I mean, I think Dirk Vermeil should have gotten coach of the year last year. I mean, he had Vermeil as quarterback. You mean Pete Carroll? <laughs> what did I, I say, Dick? What did you hear? You call him Dick Vermeil. Whatever. You call Pete Carroll uh, Dick Vermeil. Pete Carroll. Yes. My apologies. My apologies to all the Rams fans out. That's how much respect I have. I wanted to give Dick Vermeil coach of the year last year for what he did in 1999. Rams fans. That's that's uh, that's what I'm talking about. No, but here's the thing. The Rams fans have won uh, at least two championships since I've been alive. My team has not won any. So you take that trade and you take your medicine to to use your point and say, okay, we're going to be bad for a year or two, and then we're going to come back and be better. Um, I think the Rams, in my opinion, I I just I want you guys to beat the Niners just once, just beat them once every single season. And me as a Northern California uh, resident will be very, very happy. That's all I want. Just beat him once. I mean, that, that's the problem. Shanahan has McVay's number right now. 
I'm yeah. glad they got him in the NFC Championship game. I'm glad they that got him. That was so much fun. Uh, that was, you know, I was thrilled. But for right, I mean, it, Shanahan's in McVay's head. Now, in fairness, I think the offensive line will, will be better this year. Yeah. But I'm just not thrilled with the weapons. So we'll see. And honestly, the Rams' offense was its best when they were able to use running backs out of the backboard. They were threats in the passing game. And once Todd Gurley got hurt in 2018, you know, they, they went away from that. And they haven't ever gone back to it. And they, even though they had the running backs who could actually do it, who were, quite frankly, better out of the backfield than they were behind uh, under center. So I don't know what all the thinking is. I, I think it's a trust issue with McVay. And he tends when he loses. In my view, Sean McVay, when he loses trust in the player, he, he gets more and more overtly conservative and only goes to the people he relies on. Maybe that's just, I mean, people forget the guy's still like under 40 years old. He still has a lot yeah. to learn about the game. But, uh, you know, I can't complain the results other than the fact that he drives me crazy once in a while. So there's, there's a long-winded answer to your question. Look at their schedule. Look who they're against. And, and then you say, well, I don't see how they get more than four, than four wins, five wins. Who did we trade for? Uh, who did we give you guys for Jalen Ramsey? Hunter Long, how's he doing? A word I'm hearing is it's is positive. Yeah. And he could be a guy that Sean McVay has has a history pre Rams of getting good stuff out of tight ends. I'm not sure what on earth happened since then. Um but you know, Tyler Hibby's had a couple good years and we saw flashes from other guys, and maybe maybe Hunter Long works out. But Higby was in my final roster for fantasy football, and I won not because of him, uh, but because of uh, uh, Mike Evans for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and um, somebody else who was not on the Rams. But Higby was in my starting lineup for my final year or my final game in the championship, and I won, so I'm going to give Higby a pass. But uh, it would be such a Miami Dolphins thing, or what we call that so Dolphins, if Hunter Long were to blow up for like you know 50 receptions, 700 yards, and seven touchdowns, and Jalen Ramsey doesn't play a freaking down for the Miami Dolphins. That just seems like a very Miami Dolphins type of trade. I hope I'm wrong, but I also hope Hunter Long does well for you guys because why not? Well, why not? Okay, man, I'll let you go. It's getting late (laughs) on both of our ends. Thanks so much for your time. And I I mean, I I always enjoy talking with you, so I hope we talk again next year. Absolutely, every time. And the next year will be, you know, you'll be congratulating me on winning the AFC Championship. Uh, for the Miami Dolphins, and we'll be talking about how we're going to play each other in the Super That's what I want. I want <laughs> us to have a Super Bowl special in 2025, Miami Dolphins, Los Angeles Rams, and we'll talk about Jalen Ramsey, Hunter Long, and everybody else uh, that comes from that coaching tree. That's that's the goal, Derek. That'll be your way of saying F the 49ers, too. I would love that. You, you have no <laughs> idea how much I hate the Niners. <laughs> no idea. You're not alone. All right, man, have a great one. All right, you too. All right, so you're looking at the Miami Dolphins right now, and they had some defensive issues last year. They had a couple issues with, with Tua staying healthy. And of course, concussions are always concerned with him. But yeah, if you're a Rams fan, aren't you a little, a little happy here? They, they tr- we trade away Jalen Ramsey to the Dolphins. And it's almost like you dodged a bullet. And we, we're not happy that Jalen got hurt. But he's out until December. It probably happens if he's you know, heading in this year. And so it's almost like you dodge a bullet paying him on his paycheck, but you know, all that jazz. So we wish him well, but the, the Dolphins, 
at least initially going to lose out in this trade because of that loss. That's a big loss. Those are one of the best in the NFL. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens with them offensively as well. There's no team faster in the AFC. None. It's a track meet for them. And hopefully they use that speed to make some magic happen. All right. Before we get to Cincinnati, here's one last visit for our sponsors. Check it out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Okay, so here we go. Mo Egger from ESPN 1530 Cincinnati gives us a look at the Cincinnati Bengals. You won't be disappointed. All right, folks, we have Mo Egger from ESPN 1530 Cincinnati, one of our, I gotta be honest, one of my favorite tour run the league guests. Um, for personal reasons, he used to live in Cincinnati. He used to always listen to him on the radio, and now, and now I get to talk with him about. Bengals football. Mo, how you doing? Derek, I'm great, man. How are you? I'm living the dream up in Northeast Ohio now, on the other side of the scope for you. And as always, you're providing great stuff down there in Cincinnati. But the question I have for you right away is, what's going on with the Bengals? I'm seeing a few things going on with Joe Burrow. What's the news? Well, obviously, Joe uh, was carted off the Bengals' second practice of training camp with a cast injury. And, you know, it, it, it feels like the vibe at Paycor Stadium is one that would suggest that he's going to play week one. But, you know, you know how this works. During the season, when teams are required to give an injury report, they're still very, very vague about the status of a player coming back from injury. So during training camp, when there's no requirement to issue an injury report or anything like that, they're going to be even more vague. And so what we have had fun with here is sort of trying to figure out what the specific definition of the word several is, because Zach Taylor, the head coach, said Joe Burrow is going to miss several weeks. Now, is that several regular season weeks, or is that several training camp weeks, or is it a combination of both? My guess is. You know, Joe has been seen in the locker room. He's not wearing a boot. He's not uh, rolling around on a scooter. He seems to be walking fine. And so, you know, there's still four and a half weeks before they play a regular season game. I think it's fair to assume, it's fair to assume that he's not going to play in the preseason. I think it's fair to assume that over the course of the next four weeks, he's going to practice very little, if at all. But I get the sense that they feel like there's a very good chance he plays week one. So we'll see. So with, with the roster around him right now, you know, going from just a couple of years ago, surprising everybody going to the Super Bowl, them being, you know, very good last year to here and now, 
how has this team evolved since they made that Super Bowl run? Well, I think the the major difference is the offensive line is almost completely different, and and we could have said that last year. That, that I mean, the the entire world saw it. The Bengals made the Super Bowl in spite of their offensive line. Uh, they had a game in which Joe Burrow in the playoffs got sacked ten times. Their undoing was always going to come at the feet of the offensive line. The question was, well, when is their undoing going to come? Is it going to come early in the playoffs? Or is it going to come in the Super Bowl? And obviously it came against the Rams. Uh, their offensive line personnel was dramatically different at the start of last year. I do think, though, with the addition of Orlando Brown to play a left tackle, look, is this going to be a great offensive line? Probably not. Is it the best offensive line Joe Burrow has played behind? Yes. Uh, and, and you might say, well, that's not saying all that much. I, I think what I wonder from that position group more than anything is, you know, look, they made – substantial offensive line upgrades going into last season and for the most part those upgrades paid off uh but things unraveled when they started to deal with injury they played the first 15 games of the season last year with the same starting five on the offensive line but then Lyle Collins got injured in uh, week 16 Jonah Williams got hurt in the first playoff game against Baltimore and so there they were at Arrowhead Stadium in the AFC championship game having to play with multiple backups what I think is fair to wonder is what exactly is the depth going to look like on the offensive line? And are they built to handle attrition if indeed they have to deal with that? But as things stand right now, this should be the best offensive line that Joe Burrow has played behind. I think that would be, you know, the the first thing that you would say is the, the, the sharpest departure from that Super Bowl season. Uh, the other one is they have two new starting safeties. Obviously, Nick Scott is a guy that Rams fans are very familiar with. They said goodbye this offseason to Jesse Bates, which was not unexpected. He played under the franchise tag last year, I do think it was, I do think it caught people by surprise that Von Bell got away in free agency. And so uh, they had drafted Dak Hill in 2022 with the idea that he would step in for Jesse Bates this year. Uh, the plan for Von Bell was maybe not quite as, uh, not quite as planned for. So they plug in Nick Scott. I think the good news for the defense is their pass rush should be better. And they suddenly have a wealth of good young talent at cornerback, which should enable them at least to a degree to kind of handle some of the issues that may come with a change at the safety position. Well, Nick was one of our guys. And how's he looked thus far in camp? I think all things considered pretty good. You know, if anything, I think he has solidified the, the, I think he has solidified the starting gig. You know, it, it was interesting. He was, he was brought here. And, you know, let's face it, uh, the, the headline-grabbing move of the offseason was uh, getting Orlando Brown, bringing him in from Kansas City. I think there were some people who looked at Nick Scott as maybe kind of a temporary placeholder because they did draft they did draft a safety in Jordan Battle from Alabama. But Lou Anarumo doesn't like to play rookies, and Lou Anarumo doesn't like to rotate players. He likes to do what he did with Von Bell and Jesse Bates, and that's put those two guys in safety and basically ask them to play 100% of the snaps. That's the plan here with Nick Scott moving forward. And so far in training camp, he hasn't done anything to make you second-guess that plan. So one of the things I really enjoyed about him was how, how hard he played. He had great instincts. He wasn't the fastest guy out there. That's, the reason, that's why he was drafted where he was. But he was very intelligent, had great instincts, was always where he needed to be in the field. I think you really will enjoy seeing him play out there. Uh, especially if he gets that time to melt with with Dax Hill. I mean, I think that's a solid move where they're giving as many stats as possible. 
I, I think that's been, you know, the MO based on, on who you talk to down there at Paycor Stadium, right? That uh, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, he loves smart players. He loves gym rats, and, and every coach does. Uh, but I think it's a safety spot. You know, if, if you look at what they had with, with, uh, with Jesse and Von Bell, two guys who are very, very similar. I think they view Nick Scott as like a second version of Von Bell, a guy who comes in from the outside, a dude who's able to sort of set the tone in terms of work ethic, smart, ability to adapt, ability to help teach younger guys. I think they see in Nick Scott a lot of the things that they really liked with Von Bell. Now, sometimes I think what happens, and I think this happened with Vaughn, you talk so much about maybe some, some of those intangible qualities that it sort of undermines what the guy brings to the table. Vaughn Bell was a very productive player. Mm -hmm. uh, we will see if in this defense Nick Scott can, can match that production. Now, when you look at the rest of this defense, what, what are the strengths and the weaknesses that you have in this unit going, next, going into this year? Well, I think the big question, you know, we said it kind of going into the offseason that the part of last year's team that nobody really seemed to want to talk about was the fact that the pass rush left a lot to be desired. And, and there's, there's lots of different ways that you can measure the effectiveness of the pass rush. But just looking at the basic numbers, they were 29th in the league last year in total sacks. Uh, that number has to improve. And so, you know, you look at what they did in the draft. They took an edge rusher, Miles Murphy, out of Clemson in the first round. I think the name to pay attention to in the front is going to be Joseph Osai, who is going into essentially his second season. He was hurt in the preseason in game one two years ago, which cost him his entire rookie year. I think they're expecting big, big things from him. And if they get them, then you rotate him with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard and Miles Murphy, and you're going to like what you got there. I think it's going to be interesting to see. You know, what their depth is like on the interior of that defensive line where D.J. Reader, I think, has emerged as maybe the team's second most valuable player, but they need more depth behind them. I, I think where the Bengals have really evolved defensively is for years. We've kind of lamented the fact that they try to cut corners when it comes to their linebackers. They finally have two really good ones. They just signed Logan Wilson to a contract extension. They signed Jermaine Pratt this offseason to a contract extension. They are as set at that position as I think they've ever been, maybe in the history of the franchise. This defense doesn't have a lot of holes. Uh, where I think you could say they might be at their deepest, though, is that cornerback. Chidobe Awuzie has come back from an ACL injury and looks terrific. He is a bona fide number one corner. I think where they're really excited, though, is in the development of Cam Taylor Britt, who came on at the end of the season last year. And the cornerback they drafted from Michigan and D.J. Turner. I think if you take those three players and Mike Hilt, the slot corner, that's a really good quartet of cornerbacks. Uh, the thing about the Bengals' defense is you don't have to ask them to pitch a shutout, but you know they're not going to get 40 hung on them because of the, the quality they have there. So offensively, as good and as dynamic as the Bengals can be, they don't take the field thinking they have to, to win a shootout. Because defensively, they've been so good and so sound over the last couple of years. And even though I think there's going to be an adjustment period for the new safeties, I expect this defense to be pretty good again this year. You hear you talk about the, the, the corners and, and the secondary. And I'm wondering, though, in a division where teams like to run, you know, you get Chubb in Cleveland, the Steelers were always going to try and run. And then, of course, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, they want to run. How are they built to defend the run? 
Well, I, I think you start with DJ Reader and just the fact that despite the fact that he might not get a lot of headlines, uh, in terms of, of what he means to the defense, you almost can't measure it by looking at pure stats. Quite simply, he occupies two blockers. When he's not on the field, they have nobody in the interior who's, who's occupying two blockers. I think the thing about Cincinnati's defense that over the last couple of years has stood out to me more than anything, and I think this makes them good against the run, you never see assignment errors. You know, football coaches talk all the time about, what well, we don't want guys to do too much. It sounds cliche. With this defense, you rarely see that. I've, I've made this remark on a number of occasions where, with the exception of Eli Apple, who's no longer here, you never saw a play. You know, sometimes the other guy just goes and makes a play, and that happens at football. You never see communication breakdown. You never see assignment errors. You never see guys out of position. You never see guys trying to do too much. And I think, to a large degree, where that pays off most is in stopping the run. It's rare that you see anybody over-pursue. Mm -hmm. It's rare that you see anybody dramatically out of position. It's rare that you see anybody make a bad read on a play. And I think that speaks to the overall intelligence of the defense. I think it says a lot about the defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo. Nothing about this Bengals defense will wow you when you look at the numbers. Nothing about this defense, when you watch them sometimes, will wow you. But you don't have teams that are repeatedly ripping off you know, huge rushing outputs right now. The exception would be Lamar Jackson in the Baltimore game last year. But I really do think that was kind of an outlier. This defense, I think it mirrors the team itself. Uh, there aren't a lot of just glaring huge holes. Again, they're starting a guy in Dax Hill who is essentially a rookie because he didn't play that much last year. And so, I, you know, you wonder a little bit about him. But the bulk of a defense that has gone to a back-to-back -back AFC championship games uh, is going to come back, and they've gotten younger because of how much they've emphasized defense over the last two drafts. And looking at the offense here, I mean, there's a whole lot to say. This is a very good offensive unit. They can put points up in a hurry, especially when you get Joe Burrow back. I'm looking at the quarterback position, though, Trevor Simeon, who's had some ups and downs in the league, Jake Browning. How are you feeling about the back quarterback position right now with questions around Joe Burrow? Uh, probably like most people in most cities feel about their backup QB. Uh, you hope that if either guy has to play, whether it's Trevor or Jake, and I think Trevor would be the odds on favor to be the backup. Let's be honest. If either one of those two guys has to play for an extended amount of time, this team is screwed. But <laughs> I, I think with what they have, I, I think the Bengals are going to tell you this. First of all, we love our talent, right? So mm -hmm. any QB, any QB in the league would love the opportunity to throw to Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd. All right, so it's not like, barring something unforeseen, it's not like if it's Trevor or Jake. Let's just say week one, Joe Burrow can play. Well, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the league that would like to have those guys to throw to. I think the other thing that they're going to sort of lean on is, A, the continuity of the coaching staff. I think one of the more remarkable things about the Bengals is uh, they've won 27 regular season and postseason games over the last couple of years, and they will have the exact same coaching staff this year that they've had the previous two years. I think they believe that level of continuity will help in, in getting a backup quarterback ready to play. I think the other thing is they think Joe Burrow is going to be uber helpful to whoever might have to be his understudy. Now, 
if Joe has to leave dur- during a game because he had to go in the protocol or suffered an injury or something, you know, yeah, who knows? But look, it, the Bengals are in a situation where the backup quarterback is not going to be an up-and-coming who's one day going to be the heir apparent. Uh, it's going to be somebody who fits the profile of either a Trevor Simeon, who is a former starter, who is, uh, you know, sort of bouncing around the league, or the backup is going to be a guy that they've groomed to be the backup, which Jake Browning has been in the practice on the practice squad for the last couple of years. Neither guy is going to make you feel like, God, you know what, if that dude has to play a month's worth of games, or that guy's got to start in the playoffs, Bengals are going to be fine. But I do think, because of the team they have and the coaching staff they have, that if they had to get through a week or had to get through a second half of a game with either one of those two guys, they will be okay. So in the end here, you know, playing it all together, where do the Bengals, in your view, rank in the, in the division? Well, I think it's the best division in the sport. Uh, you know, all four teams in it, I think, are pretty happy with what they have at quarterback. Three of the four teams have Super Bowl head coaches. Uh, I, I think, you know, each of the four teams can look at the last two years and say, we've been building toward 2023. But I do have to give the nod to Cincinnati here. I think they have the best quarterback in the division. I think they have the potential for the best offense in the division. And I really don't see a hole on their team. You know, in Baltimore, uh, they certainly have made significant additions to the offense. But you do kind of wonder, okay, can they really put things together offensively finally after they have failed for so many years to do so? I think the Browns are the real wild card in this division because you can convince me they're a double-digit win team. And I think you can convince me that there may be a seven or eight win team. And the Pittsburgh Steelers had a terrific offseason and they're a great organization. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're to just look at the rosters top to bottom, I think I lean Cincinnati. They're clearly the Vegas favorites to win the AFC North. But it's worth mentioning, Cincinnati started 0-3 in the division last year. Their first two games of the season are against division opponents. They cannot afford to start 0-3 against the AFC North, and we'll obviously find out very, very early whether or not they, uh, whether or not they, they uh, managed to not repeat what happened last year or this year. Well, I guess let's go one step further. Where are they in the AFC? Are they ready to to take out Kansas City or or Buffalo or both? Well, I think the thing about this team that's different than, at least in terms of how we've talked about them the last two years, you know, two years ago, nobody would have imagined the Bengals would have won the division, much less would have made the Super Bowl. I think last year, you know, there was a sense last August, okay, let's, let's see if what they did last season was fluky. Let's see if 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 they if they got lucky or if they're indeed this good and they answered the question I think in the affirmative they are that good but uh, for everything that they have done the one thing they haven't done is get the one seed in the AFC you know last year they started 0 and 2 they still managed to win 12 games but because of that slow start uh, they couldn't get the one seed they had to go to Arrowhead Stadium the Bengals started four and four last year five and four the year before I think it goes without saying. If we get to the midway point of the season and they have four losses again, the Bengals are not going to be the one seed. So I think there's a big, big premium on getting off to a fast start because the goal this year is to be the one seed where you you skip a playoff game and you host the Chiefs or the Bills or whoever in the AFC title game. I think one thing that really helped them this offseason 
Is Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets? Because I think that makes it all the more difficult for the Bills to run away and hide in the AFC East. Uh, I, I, I think, I know everybody's excited about the Jets. I know there are teams in the AFC North that you can make a case for. I know everybody loves the LA Chargers. I still feel like, at least at the outset of the season, the, the likely Super Bowl team in the AFC is going to come from the trio of Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. Uh, until I see more from one of those other teams, I'm left to believe that. I think we felt that way most of last year, that the AFC was really made up of the big three in Cincinnati, Kansas City, and Buffalo. Can you trust Lamar Jackson to stay healthy? Can Kenny Pickett raise his game to the next level? Are we really buying the Browns? Are we buying into Aaron Rodgers during his age 40 season? Is Tua Tengavailoa going to stay healthy? Can we wait and see if the Chargers can actually win a playoff game with Justin Herbert before we make them bona fide contenders? I still feel like you take the field. I'll take Cincinnati, Kansas City, and Buffalo. I'm going to like my chances as the season moves on. I'm looking at a schedule here, and you know, there's you're talking about starts and and Browns, Ravens, but then you get the Rams, and I'm going to tell you straight, man, that you got that one, okay? Um, <laughs> at Tennessee. At Arizona, those are all W's on first glance right there. Seattle's a little tougher, but I think should be fine there. But then I'm looking at the Niners, the Bills, Texans, okay, Ravens, and then Steelers. That, there's your key right there, four out of five games. Niners, Bills, Ravens, Steelers, right after your bye. And I think that's where we'll see them make or break it. Yeah, and then I think you go even one week later, it's, it's at Jacksonville, right? I mean, look, the, the, the division is insanely tough. They go to Kansas City. Buffalo comes here. Uh, they go to Jacksonville. Uh, it, it's, an, it's an insanely difficult schedule. But look, I mean, I, I think there's two different dynamics here. One, uh, Joe Burrow will sign his contract here soon, which means they're, they're always going to be relevant. But Team building is going to take on uh, some unique challenges when you have a quarterback making the kind of money that Joe is going to make, especially if they sign the two wide receivers to big money contracts. Well, uh, that's not the case yet. They're still playing this season with Joe Burrow under a rookie contract. When they drafted him, we talked about the importance of winning soon while he was under his rookie contract. If that's not something you just say, but something you believe, then there's a lot of pressure on winning this year. And look, everything they've done over the last two years has felt like it's building to 2023. They made the Super Bowl ahead of schedule two years ago. They obviously had a very good season last year. I think at the end of each of the last two seasons, there has been a sense of, all right, God, they made it that far. And yeah, you know what? They're going to be good for a while. I think the tone is going to be a little bit different this year if they don't win. And that's not to say that they're going to have to launch into a rebuild or you know, people are going to start losing their jobs. But you know how it works with quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. It's not long before we start to go, okay, when are they going to win one when they don't win one early? And so it has just felt for a while like everything they've been doing has been building toward this year. Uh, They've done a good job of roster building. They've got a quarterback in his prime. They have a terrific offense. Their defense is as solid as you could ever expect. I think there's a genuine sense, and I, I, I share the sentiment. If not now, then when? So we'll see if this is it. 
All right. Thank you so much for your time today coming on the show, talking about the Bengals. Tell people know where they can find your work. Because I'm going to tell, tell you folks, because one of my favorites, I'm not lying to you. Go listen to Mo. <laughs> where can they well, find we got, your stuff? Uh, we're on ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati, which uh, the company will love me saying this. You can find on the iHeartRadio app. <laughs> there you go. And by the way, by the way, the Reds this year, wow. I didn't been see fun. that one coming. Been fun. It's been fun. It sort of felt like it's unraveling here over the last, but it's been, you talk about unexpected. Lost 100 games last year, and now we're uh, discussing their playoff chances. I never would have thought. Well, they're young. They're young and, and fun to watch. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen this year, but they're going to be good for, you know, good few years. I've, I've really enjoyed watching all those guys this year. It's been fun to watch. So. No question. All right, Mo, thanks so much for your time, and have a great one. All right, Derek. Thanks, man. Okay, so the AFC North is going to be interesting this year for a lot of reasons. One, we're all we're going to see them. The Rams play the NFC, the AFC North. They play the Bengals, Browns, Steelers, and the Ravens. It's going to be a physical, physical division. You're going to see a lot of people beat up, and you know, again, the Angels, sorry, the Angels, the Rams will see them all firsthand, right up and personal. This is going to be a hard division to watch. Look at, uh, pay attention to the Bengals. And what they do, especially the first couple of weeks, you know, we don't know Burrow will be in in week one. I, I tend to think he will be, but if he's not, they can't afford to fall behind early this year. The division is that good. It is that good. So we'll see what happens. Okay, that does it for this installment of the Tour in the League on Rams Talk Radio. Stay tuned as we get more episodes out. And of course, pay attention, to especially of Budding Heads. They're doing all the Rams stuff right now. And we'll get more into the Rams as we get closer and closer. Don't forget the Rams are playing the Chargers this weekend. Until next time, this is Derek C. Paul. We're out of here.